This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Last week we talked about the importance of not being stuck between two kingdoms. In fact, if we're going to cross into our promised land or cross the Jordan River to possess the land of promise in our lives individually or corporately, there are things we need to do, including today's message on it's our choice. We have to make a decision. Are we going to serve the Lord or are we going to serve the world? It says in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 and 15, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord! Exclamation mark. And he goes on to say, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, verse 14 through 15. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 through 20, it reminds us that God says that He has placed before us life and death, blessing and cursing. He says, therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. He goes on to say that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. What a wonderful gift that God has given to us, that we can choose Him, choose life, choose blessing, In fact, in the New Testament, it says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man cometh to the Father by Him. He also says that if we choose Him, that He gives us life and life more abundantly. There's so much in this incredible vastness of God's goodness and the gifts that God provides for us that we walk under His protection, His provision, and His blessings. And one of our most precious gifts to give back to God is to use that freedom to choose, that will to choose to love Him and to serve Him. No greater gift can be given back to God than for us to freely choose to receive His Son and to love the Son with all of our hearts. God will never take back this gift, nor will He ever usurp our right to exercise that gift. Romans chapter 11 verse 29. And this holds true whether we choose to receive or to reject the incredible gifts that God has given us. That decision is ours. Sadly, at times, many use these gifts of God and God's grace not as a gift from God, but as an excuse to justify their lusts. Some use the commandments as a legalistic noose, while others disregard the spirit of the commandments as a schoolteacher to guide us and protect us from causing hurt to others and shame to Christ's name. See, when one is in a relationship, they're not bound to express love and respect by the law itself, but because they are in love. Likewise, my desire to honor the Lord is not based on some legalistic view, but on a grateful heart, desire to love Him and be a tangible expression of His love to others. My freedoms should not be an excuse to live in such a way that gives license to others to live in licentiousness. 
You see, without the moral law of God and the love of truth, we open the proverbial Pandora's box to lawlessness and anarchy. Over the years, we've seen the resurgence of what we call antinomianism. And in some measure, it seems we are seeing this lived out today in 2020. Antinomianism is the belief that under the dispensation of grace, the moral law is of no use and rejects a socially established morality. Hebrews 10, verse 26 through 29 refers to this as trampling underfoot the Son of God and counting the blood of the covenant as an unholy thing or profaning the holy blood of Christ that was shed for us, and ultimately in insulting the Spirit of grace. Now again, it's our choice to wholeheartedly yield ourselves to God and to serve Him, to choose Him, to choose life, to choose blessing and not cursing, to walk in that place of representing Christ as ambassadors for Christ and ministers of reconciliation. The Lord our God desires our willing love. He did not create helpless pawns, nor did He create mindless robots or mindless slaves. In the early years of our ministry, We coined a statement and actually made t-shirts that said, God is not looking for clones of modern-day Christianity, but imitators of Christ. You see, it's still our choice. God gives us this gift of choice to choose Him or choose the world, to choose life or choose death, to choose blessing and not cursing. God does not call us to be clones or pawns or robots. God wants us to be those who willingly say yes to God, to serve God, and to represent God. God forces Himself upon no one, for He takes no joy in such arbitrary displays of power. Indeed, what joy would any father have in such a relationship? But what joy is there in forced love? There is no joy in that whatsoever for any loving father. In His perfect love, God created thinking, feeling human beings who are independent in nature, beings who are totally unique in creation because they have the power to choose, the power to return that freely given love back to Him and express it to others. You see, as human beings, we have the power to submit our own independent natures to perfect dependence upon God Himself. God will never interfere with this choice, and Satan cannot interfere unless we give him that place or that place of influence. As an earthly father rejoices in the love of his children and their steps toward him, so does the heavenly father rejoice in all those who come to him. God rejoices in the willing and genuine love that we exercise towards him through our free choice to serve Him, to obey Him, to love Him, and to walk with Him. You see, it's our free choice. It's a decision and a choice that lies with each and every one of us, every individual, and no one can make that decision for us. This choice, of course, is to choose to submit our hearts and our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me segue just for a moment and then come back to some points I want to make on the choices we have. See, over the last few decades, there's been a war that has escalated in the academic institutions of our land that has now permeated into many areas of today's subcultures. And one of its bloodiest battlegrounds is found in the minds of people. See, the culture of disbelief and the culture of belief are at odds with each other, almost to the point of total polarization. There are ideologues who have put themselves and their personal agendas above the people they claim to care about. Thus, many today find themselves adrift on a turbulent sea of doubt and confusion, having lost sight of the shoreline with no compass to guide them. You see, every cell 
in our human body has a nucleus. All the activity of this cell revolves around the nucleus. Our solar system has a nucleus too, the sun. All the planets revolve in a set order around it. In both cases, the nucleus or the center maintains order and prevents chaos. God is the divine force that brings order to life. He is the nucleus of all that exists. And yet the natural human tendency is to degenerate into chaos, a process we call entropy. A force or nucleus must be present to keep order. And without this order, the natural progression is lawlessness, anarchy, and destruction. And yet again, I'm reminded that God has given us His incredible gifts, His grace, and the ability to choose life, to choose Him, to choose blessing, and not the ways of this world. However, seeing that there yet remains a rest for God's people, there is another choice that awaits the Christian in Hebrews 4, verse 1-11. This choice goes beyond our initial profession of faith. It is not for the unsaved those who have not yet been born again of His Spirit. It is for those who are already in the household of faith in Christ Jesus. Christians must decide to get serious about their relationship with Him and their commitment to the Word and will of God. It is a decision to forsake the wilderness, that merry-go-round existence of unbelief. Finally, it is the decision to cross the Jordan, that spiritual Jordan, that barrier between us and the promises of God, the, the blessings of God, the land of promise. The crossing of the Jordan, to me, represents the battle for the human heart. The Jordan River represents any barrier posed by the world, the flesh, or the devil that prevents us from realizing the promised land of intimate relationship with God. Those who are strong in faith will cross the Jordan and go on with God, no matter what mountains stand in their way and have to be removed, Matthew 17, 20, Luke 17, 5, and 6. Those who are fearful of the river's torrent or the mountains along the way they have to overcome to reach it will turn back and go back into the world. The difference in what we do concerning the Jordan lies in our hearts. Whether we brave the Jordan and go on with God or whether we turn back and go on with the world depends upon our consecration and choice to the word and will of God. Let's take a look at the difference between greatness and obscurity in the story of Ruth and Orpah. In the Old Testament story of Ruth, Naomi and her husband Elimelech and their two sons Malon and Chilion left Judah and went to Moab because of a famine that was going on in the land. And while there, Elimelech died, and the two sons then married two Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. Then to add to the pain and tragedy, the sons of Naomi also died. So she decided to return back to Israel. In the book of Ruth, we see the story that when Naomi was about to leave, she gave a choice to her daughters-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah, to go with her or to stay. Verse 6 of chapter 1 of the book of Ruth says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people, giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was, with her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each to your mother's house. The Lord will deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. In other words, how kind you have been to me. 
The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said, meaning Ruth and Orpah, Surely we will return with you to your people. But again Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? She says again, Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sake. Then again, Ruth and Orpah lifted up their voices and wept again. But this time Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So Naomi said to Ruth, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do to me and more also of anything but death parts you and me. So we see that Orpah chose to stay in Moab or go back to Moab, but Ruth, without any guarantees of the future, decided to go with Naomi to worship Naomi's God, the God of her husband, the true God. Her decision to forsake the securities and the gods of Moab, a type of the world, and to walk by faith and not by sight, put her into the lineage of Jesus, it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Orpah's decision, on the other hand, to go back to the Moabites or the gods of the flesh sent her down into historical obscurity. We never hear what happens to her. You see, in a similar fashion, the decisions we make as professing Christians can lead us to greatness for God and with God, and so place us into the lineage of Christ, or wrong decisions or compromise decisions, on the other hand, will send us down like Orpah into historical obscurity. You see, both Ruth and Orpah had a choice. Ruth chose to stay close to Naomi, not knowing what the future entailed, but in faith she went with her. Whereas Orpah went back to what she was comfortable with, the land of her fathers, the place of security in her own eyes. And yet a whole book of the Bible is written about Ruth because of the step of faith she took, the choice to go forward with the Lord, with Naomi. Whereas with Orpah, we don't hear about her again. The choices we make can be decisions for greatness in the Lord or in that place of compromise and security of our past, leaning on those things we're comfortable with in the flesh or in the world, rather than taking the steps of faith in God, choosing Him, choosing life, choosing blessing, and not the things of this world. Ruth, on the other hand, has a whole book of the Bible written about her. We're talking about her right now. We all have the same gift that God gives to us in times throughout our life. Choose life, choose blessing, Choose God, choose greatness, not the greatness of the flesh, which is self-absorption, self-centeredness, self-righteousness, but choose to honor God, walk with God, and watch what God will do in and through your life. Take that step to cross your Jordan River, cross those barriers that are keeping you from that place of walking in courage and persistence and perseverance to possess the promises of God in your life. Let there be a story made in your life and through your life. 
Another example in the New Testament is Timothy, one of Apostle Paul's converts and his son in the Lord, who chose to submit his heart and life to the Lord Jesus. He served Paul and the body of Christ as unto the Lord. Another of Paul's brethren, Demas, chose to return to the world. You see, Paul sends greetings from Demas to the Colossians. But in 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas has never heard from again in Scripture. Everyone has a choice to make. That choice can make the difference between a Ruth and an Orpah and a Timothy and a Demas. Yes, everyone has that choice to make. You see, we have a choice to be people of faith like Abraham. We can choose to be people of God like Moses. We can choose to be a radiant living sacrifice like the Apostle Paul. We can choose. We can choose which way we want to go, the way of blessing or the way of cursing. We can choose life or we can choose death. We can choose whom we would like to emulate, Judas or Jesus. Let us not look back to the ways of the past or the ways of the flesh or the things that we're comfortable in in our worldly ways. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, keeping our eyes fixed on the tree of life and not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let us keep our eyes focused on where we're going and not what we're going through. Let us look at the possessing of the land of promises and the promise of God that is given to you and to me. Let's make choices of faith to serve God to love God, to serve people, to love people, because we don't have to live in obscurity, but we can have a testimony that goes down in a legacy of greatness to the glory of God. You and I are not of the culture of disbelief or obscurity, but you and I are part of the culture of the kingdom of God, the culture of belief. There is a spiritual battle for our minds, a spiritual battle for the soul of a generation. Yet you and I may live in this world, but we're not of this world. Let us keep our focus on the Lord, fix our eyes on the Lord, for we have a promise that the world cannot give, nor the world can take away. Let's take those steps of faith. Let's walk in greatness. Let's walk in decisiveness and courage to be the men and women of God that you and I have been called to be. Our e-store at somebodycares.org has a variety of resources for you and your team. Doug's books, including Leadership Awakening and In Search of a Father's Blessing, bundle packages for teaching series and disaster relief preparation, and our Desire to Win t-shirts all can be found at somebodycares.org forward slash store. Be sure to head there after today's episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.